The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. I'm your host, James Anderson, and we will probably touch on some prospects today, but the main focus is actually going to be 2023 redraft, uh, you know, analysis, um, conversation, because my guest, Ryan Vanasio, is uh, going to be participating with me in the first NFBC draft of the 2023 draft season tonight. Uh, it's going to start at 1030 Eastern time via Zoom. Um, that should be, uh, an interesting, uh, event. Um, but, but first Ryan, I uh, really appreciate you joining me. How are you doing? I'm good, man. Uh, thanks for having me. It's going to be a crazy night tonight. Really looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, we are going to spend most of this podcast talking about our, our strategy and just kind of, um, <laughs> just sort of how crazy this is going to be. Um, Ryan is in my uh, TGFBI league. I think you, you've been in second place pretty much all season. I've been in third place pretty much all season uh, with no real movement there. Um, and Ryan also is a co-host of a podcast I'm really excited to uh, check out uh, called In the Cut with uh, John Fish, who's been on the podcast before. And what I'm really excited about is this is, uh, to my knowledge, the only fantasy baseball and fantasy basketball podcast out there. Uh, I, I know there aren't there aren't that many of us. It doesn't seem that that do baseball and basketball, but I'm excited to check that out. Um, but first, I wanted to talk about Fernando Tatis Jr.'s dynasty league value uh, really quickly because uh, this has been kind of a. It, it first became a topic that I I started kind of reacting to when someone threw a trade at me. They they traded. Bryce Harper and Wander Franco for Fernando Tatis. And this was after the suspension and everything. And they, they wanted me to sort of tell them how well they did. And I actually, I would have preferred the Harper Franco side, even though it might not look that way from the way that my dynasty rankings uh, looked about a week ago. And uh, I just kind of wanted to get your, your sense on just, is it an overreaction to bump Tatis down about 15 spots as I did on my dynasty rankings. Um, you know, I wouldn't, if I had Tatis, I wouldn't trade him, but, um, I thought that I thought the price would come down a little bit and I tried to get him in a few leagues and it, 
it didn't seem like there was any much of a discount. So I, I understand where you're coming from because he's injury prone and now has been suspended for steroids. So I can see why you bumped him down, but I would see it as a buying opportunity if the price came down. But that, yeah, that trade, I would much prefer Harper and Wander for Tatis. I think that's like a huge overpay. Agreed. I mean, I think that might have been close-ish uh, prior to the the suspension. Um, but I guess sort of the way I'm I'm thinking about it is he's just about as volatile of a asset as you could have for a, a hitter his age who's accomplished what he's accomplished, and it's kind of you know to each their own. I mean, I I, I could see if you're uh, willing to sort of um, gamble a little bit uh, going after him. Um, but, he, you know, before this suspension, uh, he played 88 games in 2018, 86 games, 2019, 130 games, 2021. He played almost the whole pandemic season, but that was obviously a season kind of tailor-made to him. And then obviously zero games this year. And I'm kind of, I'm operating under the assumption that he started taking steroids to try to get on the field uh, kind of the same way that uh, like Ryan Braun um, sort of went down that path of just having all these nagging injuries, being unable to play as many games as you'd like and just trying to find a way to get out there. And now he's got the suspension. If he gets popped again, it's it's an even bigger suspension and you still don't have, uh, I mean, I'd say there might be even more injury risk now um, that he can't use steroids. So uh, that's sort of my thinking there. Um I mean, would you like, how about, how about I throw some names at you and just, you can tell me like, would you take Tatis or this player uh, just quickly? Um, would you take Tatis or Manny Machado in Dynasty? I would take Tatis. Would you take Bobby Witt or Tatis? That's really tough. I think I'd go Tatis just because I'd, even though the Royals have some nice bats, that Machado, Soto, Tatis is going to generate so many counting stats. Uh, I yeah, so, I mean, I, I think the fact, yeah, I think you're, so, yeah, you are definitely a little higher uh, than, than I am on him. Um, but I, I definitely see, you know, I see a, a path where I'm just way too low on him if he, all he really needs to do is play about 120 games a season. And he's yeah. still a, remember, a top 10-ish guy. Remember Harper when he was younger, he couldn't stay on the field because of like how recklessly he played. And as he got older, it's almost like he learned how to you know, not run into walls and play like a crazy person all the, the time. So maybe Tatis. I don't, do you think there's a chance they move him off shortstop to keep him healthy? Where would they move? Or, like, if, that even, to... or if that even helps? I could, well... Because, I mean, you know, he obviously has the tools to play center field, but I think that would put even more stress on his body. Um, would you move him to, like, second base? Would you move him to left field? I don't, I don't know. Because um, he could DH I, now? That helps. Yeah, because we, we've got lots of, you know, examples on both sides of the ledger of, you know, like I I probably uh, certainly in hindsight overreacted to the Jordan Alvarez knee, both knee issues. Um, you know, he's certainly paid 
anyone off who, who bought low on, on him. Uh, you mentioned Harper. You know, there was a time a long time ago when uh, Manny Machado was thought of as like injury prone with, with lower body issues. Um, but there's also, you know, Mike Trout and Byron Buxton and guys that just have never really kind of shaken this sort of injury bug in, in recent seasons. So uh, really, really tough player to, to value right now in Dynasty, which is why I wanted to discuss him briefly. But um, yeah, not a guy that I'm actively trying to buy low on. Sounds like you are, but you, you haven't been able to quite uh, get the right deal on him yet. No, not yet. So uh, let's let's get into uh, the the main um, crux of the episode. Uh, you and I are in a 15 team NFBC draft, and it's gonna the first seven rounds are gonna take place tonight, uh, and then we're gonna finish up the the next 43 rounds in November. Um, I don't even know what the buy-in is. I I was told, uh, or I think you you told me in the in the DMs that uh, there is it is going to be part of an overall. I just was like, sure, I'll do it. I'm I'm a degenerate. I've got nothing nothing uh, getting in my way on a Wednesday night. But um, you know, this is going to be a pretty loaded room, right? Uh, you know, there's there's some heavy hitters in here for sure. Uh, like you you're picking twelve, I'm picking eleven. Uh, we've got Jason DuPont picking first, Steve Weimer picking second, uh, Jake Hollisker, uh, picking third, uh, Dan Kenyon picking fourth, Bubba's picking fifth, Ryan Bloomfield sixth, uh, Mike Mager seventh, uh, Rob DiPietro, I should have mentioned this earlier, it's, it's Rob DiPietro's, uh, kind of, it's his draft, like he is the, uh, one who put it together, uh, Jenny Butler picking ninth, uh, Brian Slack, uh, picking 10th, Ryan Roof of Rotowire picking 13th, and then Zach Waxman and John Fish fittingly uh, picking 14th and 15th. So it's it's a loaded room, um, but I, you know, I, I'm not going to hold back in terms of kind of divulging uh, what my board is kind of looking like here on this podcast. If, if any of those people uh, care enough to, to listen to this pod and use that against me, then whatever. Uh, I don't really care. It's It's for fun, mostly for me. Um, but this thing's starting at 1030 tonight on zoom. How, how long of a night are we in for here? We got to make 105 picks on zoom starting at 1030 Eastern. I'm setting the over under at 2am. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be pretty nuts. I mean, that's, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of, I'm not a night owl. Yeah. I'm not a night owl at all uh, on the weeknights, especially. So, um, this, <laughs> this is going to be pushing it for me, but uh, I just, I can assume, you know, we're supposed to start at 1030. I could, I could envision a scenario where a pick hasn't been made by 11 and, you know, who knows, but um, yeah, it, it should be fun though. I think we're all, we're all looking forward to it. Um, it's kind of interesting that you and I are going to be picking back to back. So we are going to be sort of theoretically fighting over players if we have similar values on guys. Um I just wanted to start things off by saying, you know, I want to go like which players are going to be gone by the 11th pick. I'm picking 11th. You're picking 12th. I think it's safe to say Trey Turner, Ronald Cunha, Jose Ramirez, Juan Soto, Julio Rodriguez, Aaron Judge, 
are all going to be gone. Would you agree? Yeah, I would agree. Probably throw Mookie Betts in there as well. Sure. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, I was going to sort of slowly work down. So you think Mookie's gone. So that's seven. Um, you think Jordan Alvarez is gone? I don't think so because we're in such a sharp room that they're all going to want steals from their first pick. So I could even see Tucker going ahead of Jordan. Okay, so you think Tucker could could be a, a top 10 pick. Um, Tucker. Do you think any of the third basemen besides Jose Ramirez, Machado, Riley, Devers, Witt, any of them going to be gone? Maybe Devers, but hmm, I'm not sure. I would think... So we're saying first 11 picks, you pick 12, right? I pick 11. Or I pick 12. Okay, yeah. so first 10 picks. I would say maybe eight bats and two starters. Maybe those eight and McClanahan and Cole. And McClanahan and Burns. Yeah, um, very interested to see how the pitching gets valued tonight because – this is about this is as far from those late March NFBC drafts as you could possibly get. You know, um, there's just so many different ways any of these pitchers could get injured between now. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I lost him or if I disconnected. Internet's still on. No, no, what happened? Still, I'm in the show. I don't know. Sorry about that. Um, did you get that question? That's okay. Uh, I did not. You cut out like um, thirty seconds ago. I didn't really hear. Okay. Anything. Okay. Yeah, I did. I did want to ask then uh, just about the the starting pitching because you mentioned you thought um, Burns, McClanahan, uh, or you think you said Cole, McClanahan might go. Um, I was just interested in like whether you think pitching gets pushed down in this draft because you're drafting a pitcher who there's still a month and a half of a regular season, a postseason where they could get injured before we restart drafting in November. Do you think pitching gets pushed down at all? Or do you think with it just being a sharp room, a 15 team NFBC league with a, with an overall prize that we're still going to see several aces go, you know, top 10, top 12. Yeah, I still think the aces are going to go just because, like you said, it's a sharp room. Like, I expect closers to get pushed up. I expect I – would, I would expect Cole to at least – like Cole, Burns, McClanahan to all go in the first round. Um, and then you never know, maybe Classe goes off the board, something crazy like that. But I, I would expect pitching to get pushed up. Almost like treated so, as if it's a main event draft, I would think. Yeah, I – I'm not going to treat it like it's a main event draft. I can tell you that like right now um, I'm just, I'd rather, I'd rather sort of leave a little light on starting pitching and feel really good about my hitters going into those final 43 rounds. Uh, So if you're right and people are treating it like it's a main event draft, then I probably end up with two hitters at 11 and 20. Um, and I've sort of prepped for that. Are you expecting to go with one hitter, one pitcher 
at 12 and 19? No, of course we have the same strategy, so that's great. No, I'm definitely going to go get a hitter. Just because the top – I was I made like a rough, a rough ranking sheet. The top the top like 25 hitters are just monsters. Oh, yeah. Um, it's almost like there's two – two rounds of first rounders um so i i would like again same strategy as you i want two bats in the first two rounds yeah and i mean i guess i'm i'm yeah i'm hoping that the pitching i mean if the pitching gets pushed up great like i i mean you could get just two absolute monsters like you said um how are you kind of valuing uh so, you know, for, for instance, I I have kind of late third-ish round values on, well, I have like a late third-ish round value on like Ozzy Albies. I have an, a mid-third round value on Bo Bichette. Uh, and then I've got guys like, you know, I've got like a late first round value on Austin Riley. I've got a mid second round value on Paul Goldschmidt and Francisco Lindor are, is that an overreaction to, to kind of uh, what's happened this year to, to kind of give those guys that boost and then also bump down guys like Bichette and Albies who are going, uh, you know, first round, early second round in drafts this year. No, I don't think it's too much of an overreaction. Um, I have Bichette, um, I actually have Wander way higher than you'd probably think. I have Bichette right right below Wander and Simeon. And then I have Goldschmidt. Um, Goldschmidt is around like Vlad. I don't, I don't think I don't really think that's crazy. I actually have Lindor and Riley right next to each other. Um, just because they're like, especially Lindor and Goldschmidt, they've been such reliable hitters for so many years that even though they're having – I mean, Lindor's not having a career year, but you could argue Goldschmidt is. They're in a, in a D.C. where you need the plate appearances and you need the, the five-category production, even though I don't, I'm not sure Goldschmidt's stealing bases this year. Those guys are so reliable in the second or third round. You're, I don't think you can go wrong there. Yeah, Goldschmidt to me is, is one of the more interesting players for uh, valuing for 2023 because – He's been just, you know, he's been like a borderline league winner. Like, I mean, Aaron Judge has been sort of the league winner. Paul Goldschmidt's been kind of right behind him in terms of draft value versus what you're getting from him. He's outperformed Freddie Freeman, Vlad Guerrero, Pete Alonzo. Do you think, like, what kind of tax does he get for his age and sort of the preseason value on him compared to guys like Freeman, Guerrero? Alonzo, even throw in like Machado, Devers, like these these corner guys who are, are mostly getting you four category stuff. Like is is Goldschmidt is it fair to just value him with those guys based on how amazing he's been this season? Yeah, I think it's fair. And it's not like he's super old. Was he thirty four? Yeah, I mean that's 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 kind of pushing it still. Like I don't know. Yeah. I mean he's okay. not super old, but like he's that's old for a guy that you might consider a top 20 pick on as a, as a position player. That's fair. So I, I could see you bumping him down, especially because he has a 380 Babbitt this year. 
they probably don't expect that to happen again. Um, so you have to, of course, account for that. But again, now that now that I'm talking it out, I don't think I can take him ahead of Devers and Machado. I don't even know if I want to take him over Bichette, to be honest. So it, it's hard to take a 30, even though he's so reliable, it is hard to take a 34-year-old over those like young studs. I I definitely wouldn't take him over Machado or Devers. I think I would take him over Bichette. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I it would basically have to be, am I taking him at pick 20? Uh, and probably not. I think there's going to be someone that I like more at pick 20 than Paul Goldschmidt, but like, I think he belongs middle to late second round. Um, you know, and honestly, his, his teammate Nolan Arenado, like, I think there's a case for Arenado being a, a late second round guy because uh, third base is just so fascinating to me because, it you know, it used to be there were like two or three high-end options at the position and then it kind of fell off. But now we've got, Jose Ramirez, I think Jose Ramirez, Manny Machado, Devers, maybe Witt go first round, um, but certainly Ramirez, Machado, Devers, Riley, Arenado, Witt, those six probably all off the board by the middle of the third round. And then there's just this gigantic drop off to like Bregman and like Matt Chapman and I I'm interested in like, cause I kind of want to get one of those top six third basemen personally, uh, just because of how big that gulf is and how productive those six guys uh, project to be next year. No, I, I totally agree with you there. Like you said, there's a enormous drop off between those guys. And I was thinking Matt Chapman, but Bregman as well. And, and, Freeman doesn't steal anymore. Chapman could hit 210 anytime. Like you're going from a superstar to like a guy that could just be all right. Yeah, and then if you don't get if you don't get like a Bregman or a Chapman, then you're looking at like a Ryan McMahon or a you're you're buying a rebound from Max Muncy or you're just you're okay with a with a weak batting average from Eugenio Suarez or something, or you're going for a guy that might not hit 20 homers and Josh Rojas. Like it's it's uh, th- there's just those those six guys are just so appealing to have at that that position, um, and I I kind of want to get one of those. I don't I don't know if I'll be able to get both. It'll probably depend on uh, which outfielders are there for me at uh, at eleven. Um, but I wouldn't mind going third baseman, first baseman with those uh, first two picks, eleven and twenty. And just really, you know, a sort of locking up two two pillars at those corner spots, but also just really uh, loading up on the the batting average, the home runs, the the runs, the RBI, because that that's actually, I think, the biggest weakness um, from my twenty twenty two drafting was that I didn't end up with enough of those guys. I was too speed conscious uh, in the first five or six rounds, and so I'm kind of even on teams where I'm doing really well, I'm kind of um, mid-pack in terms of like the home runs, runs, RBI. And that's not where I want to be at all. I want to be, you know, killing those categories. So I might swing 
um, kind of hard in that other direction and get a couple pillars uh, of four category production with those first two picks. Yeah, I definitely overlooked Freddie Freeman this year. I don't have uh, any teams. And even though he might not be a top, you know, 10 or so player, you're just getting a 320 average with monster counting stats, home runs, steals, like getting that solid 1B and pairing him with like a Devers. If you can start off Freeman Devers, like you got to be happy with that. Freeman Machado, something like that. Yeah, and you and I are kind of in the spot in the draft where that's realistic. Um, yeah, I think if if we just said like, "Hey, I'm I'm getting one of those top third basemen, one of those top first basemen," you and I could both pull that off, uh, given where we're picking. Um, let's see. I, let's talk about you mentioned. Um, actually, no, I want to want to kind of wrap it up on the uh, those those SP ones. So. You said you think Burns, McClanahan, Cole um, go, you know, first round ish. Um, does Sandy go first round? Does Verlander like? What's the cutoff in terms of how many pitchers you think could go in those first fifteen picks? That's tough because I could see Sandy going in the first round. It wouldn't surprise me, especially because I know Fish loves him, so I could see him going with yeah. Sandy. Um, at 14 or 15, but um, it's tough. I would say those three in the first round, and then the next three are probably Verlander, Sandy, Cease, maybe Wheeler in there in the second and third. So I had uh, just kind of on my like rankings, I had it, like Burns, McClanahan, Sandy, Cole, Verlander, Scherzer, Cease were my top seven. Oh, Scherzer too. I forgot about Scherzer. It's it's a loaded first couple rounds this year. It's pretty- well, it's great. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, by the time March gets here, you know, there'll be some of these guys will be hurt or something like. But I mean, it is it's really loaded. <laughs> like you feel really good about those seven as just as like no doubt SP one types. Is there, so, I mean, I think, yeah, I think you're right. Like C's Verlander, Sandy, uh, they'll all be gone by like mid second. Uh, I think Scherzer's probably gone around mid second as well. Um, That's kind of where I've got him valued. Uh, Is there a pitcher I guess, I mean, on this one, like, I'll just say it first. Um, I was going to ask you, is there a pitcher that you, in a dream scenario, is there for you in the third round? I'll tell you my guy. Um, I really want Luis Castillo in the third round. Uh, Do you think that's realistic? And then is there a pitcher that you really hope is there for you uh, with your third pick? Yeah, I could see Castillo being in the third round. Um especially now that he's moved to Seattle and he isn't in Cincinnati anymore. I don't think you'd go wrong with Castillo in the third round. To me, I would want to target like Gosman, maybe Musgrove, just like a solid guy. I know he's given me 30 starts. He's given me more than a K in inning. Um, I think Gosman's gotten like super unlucky this year. So I would, even though, um, 
you know, he hasn't put up third round value this year. Like the strikeouts and walks that he's put up are ridiculous. And again, you know, you're getting 30 starts. Um, so that'd be my target, but I can understand why you'd want like Castillo has that perfect ceiling floor, especially on Seattle where he's going to get even more wins now. Um, it's definitely a rock solid SP one. Yeah. And my, my kind of backup, um, I, I assume Woodruff, Nola, Wheeler are gone. If Castillo were gone in the third, I'd kind of be hoping that Shane Bieber's there in the third. Um, I, I kind of feel like Shane Bieber's back to being cl- close to sort of peak Bieber over his last like five starts or so. Uh, I noticed that is like his highest fastball velocity of the year was like a, a couple starts ago at like 93, 94. Um, so I, I've been very happy with Castillo or Bieber as my SP one. Um, as, as for the closers, do you, for me, it's like Edwin Diaz, Emmanuel Classe, top two relievers, not even close. Is, is that your read or do you think there's someone else in there? Do you think one of those guys is, is a notch above the other? I don't know. I think, um, Felix Bautista might be – no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think Classe, Edwin Diaz. Oh. I'm sorry, one second. I, I'll be back in okay. two seconds. Okay, it's all good. My, I have a I dog. Have to open the door. Hold on. One no, that's good. Dude, don't worry about it. Yeah, so while we're waiting for Ryan, I I have a mid-third round grade on Diaz and Classe. Um but just the way this thing's going to shake out, I feel like somebody that I have a second round grade on will be there in the third. Maybe not. I just I think with zero ADP, the, the evaluations are just going to be all over the place. All right, Ryan's back. I'm so sorry. I had to open the door for my girlfriend. My Dude, don't worry about it. Nuts. Um, so, yeah, Klaase Diaz, I would agree, is definitely the top two. Um do you think Hendricks falls off a little bit, even though, I mean, it feels like he's still as good as he was, but maybe he'll fall off because Diaz and Classe are better? Well, um, there was that, like, there was that sort of injury scare with Hendricks this year, um, but that does seem like it's, I mean, it seems like it's in the rearview mirror, but I, I, I think f- for me, that's, you know, that plus the performance, I think. And it's not like, it's not a slight at any of these others. Like I, I'd love to have, you know, Jordan Romano, Ryan Presley, Ryan Helsley, Hendricks, you know, that be totally fine with any of those guys as my first closer, but it's really what it is, is sort of a testament to just how utterly dominant Diaz and Classe are. Um, you know, Classe is like, Classe has got like a one, three ERA since the start of last season. Um, Diaz, obviously, is just a, a strikeout machine. So I, it's not meant to be as, a slight at a guy like Hendricks. It's just kind of those two are are really, um, you know, truly, truly elite uh, closers for, for fantasy baseball. And I know you know this because um, you do all the prospects and dynasty stuff, but the Guardians are going to be really, really good. Next, either next year or in two years, like that, they're just loaded. Um, so Class A could be a save machine, especially with their starting pitching. Um, you know, keeping them in games, their offense should be good. 
I, I could see Colossae having like, a, you remember Edwin Diaz in like 2016, 2017, we had like a 50 save season. Like I could see Colossae mm-hmm. doing something like that in the next two years. Well, yeah, I mean, he, it's just how many chances are they going to give him? Um, because he'll, he'll, uh, he'll convert those saves if you give him the chances. Um, yeah, so so are those ridiculous. like how many, so Diaz and class a, I, when you were uh, letting the dog out, I, I mentioned, I've kind of got third round grades on them. Uh, but I kind of doubt that they would be the best player on my board, even though I'm picking later in the third round. Um, you know, if you're picking, say you're, you're, whatever that is. Uh, so you'd be picking 42 would be your third round pick. If you've got, say, one of those guys, Diaz or Classe is there, but then Gossman's there, Musgrove's there. Do you go with your first pitcher as the elite closer or do you just get the the starter that, that fell to you there? Yeah, I'd probably go Gossman. I generally just rank my closers. I don't really put like a round tag on them just because I let the room like sure. basically dictate when I take a closer. So if no closer were taken in the first two rounds, I definitely won't be the first one to take a closer in the third. So I would probably take Gosman or Musgrove there. You know, if there's a better SP on the board there, like Woodruff or something. Yeah, I mean I like I would take Castillo or Bieber in the third over Diaz and Classe. But I probably would take Diaz and Diaz and or, or Diaz or Classe. Uh, ahead of, you know, whoever, I guess the next pitchers I've got ranked are like DeGrom and Urias and Manoa. Um, <laughs> where, do you, where do you think DeGrom goes oh, tonight? What do you do with, I was just, I don't know what to do with DeGrom. I really don't. And he's not, he's not a person. Like to not pitch for a year and then throw 102 on the black with like 93 mile an hour slider cutters, whatever they are, it's just a joke. But he can't stay right. Away, so I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah. I won't be drafting him again, likely, just because I can't trust it. And he, you know, he's going to go in the first three rounds. So. Oh uh, yeah, I, I, I think he'll go. I think he'll be gone by the end of the second round. Uh, yeah, I, it. I don't – I haven't ended up with him last couple of years. Um, I totally get it. I mean, he's the best pitcher alive when he's um, when he's healthy. Uh, but he's, you know, with uh, – he's got a month and a half plus a playoff run's worth of starts to get hurt again. And so I just – I know that, you know, we're each drafting seven guys. Odds are one of, one of the seven guys I take with one of my first seven picks is going to be hurt by the time – uh, opening day is here. And so I'm just, I'm not going to bring on that much risk. Like I don't want two or three of the guys I took in the first seven rounds to be injured by the time opening day gets here. Um, so I'm kind of risk averse for, for someone like DeGrom. Um, are there any, did you say DeGrom in the second Tatis in the third? <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, I mean, you might, yeah, I mean, like at that point, you might as well. Um, but it, I wanted to ask, like, are there any, uh, say, young, um, you know, sort of guys that have maybe broken out a little bit but don't have the track record? Are there any just really exciting young players 
where you just have you're 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 very interested in them, but you just have no idea where you need to take them to to get them. I am a <clears throat> O'Neill Cruz fanboy, and I probably will be till the death. But um, I don't know where he's gonna go. If he's st- we're doing seven rounds. If he's still there in the seventh round, it's going to take like every ounce of me to not do anything. <laughs> um, I just think like his ceiling is Aaron Judge, and the floor is uh, Javier Baez. Current Javier Baez, probably. So, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say current Javier Baez. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, but yeah, he's someone that I'm going to have a lot of in drafts if he's going late enough. And the, 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 you know, part of the reason I, I asked that is uh, this draft, I think, is where you could get, like, you could draft, um, like, I'll, I'll give you a couple guys that I'm eyeing up, uh, like Michael Harris and Corbin Carroll. I have no idea where those guys are going to be going in tonight's draft, but I can almost guarantee you that Michael Harris and Corbin Carroll will be going a round or two earlier by the time we get to March. So that's just kind of the nature of those things. Like the, the shiny, you know, power speed guy just keeps getting pushed up the board, right? Like the closer we get to opening day. Um, so I, you know, I'd, I'd love to get Michael Harris. Um, I wonder, like, do you think how many people in this room do you think are on Corbin Carroll as a top one hundred player tonight? I think you'd be the only one that drafted him. I think you there's think so? a chance you'd take him in the seventh. Yeah, if you took him in the seventh, I, I don't. I don't think he's gonna. I, I, I think he's gonna be there with your seventh round pick if you if you wanted him. I know you like him a lot, so I assume you might be in. Well, I have him. I have him valued as a kind of at that five, six turn. Um, so I, I'd be ecstatic to get him in the seventh. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll just roll the dice and see if he's there in the seventh. Um, I think he'll be going in the fifties or sixties in main event drafts. Um, so I, to Similar me like, getting in, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm higher on Carroll for next season than I was on wit for this season. Um, Cause I just think he's going to hit for a hit, much better. Average. That much better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think you're, you're totally on point with, you know, no ADP, obviously uh, the, this, the sharper the room, the less inclined the room might be to go after the unproven prospect. So with this being a very sharp room, uh, you might be, you might be, uh, Hitting, hitting it on the nose there with uh, Carol maybe being there for me uh, in the seventh, but I don't know. We'll see. I guess it'll probably come down to just how much speed I have on, on hand um, when we are in like the fifth, sixth round. Uh, what about a guy like Adolis Garcia? Like how much, how much full buy-in do you think there'll be um, in terms of, because I mean, just based on twenty twenty two earned value, he's someone that we should be considering. You know, at the one two turn, um, where do you think he actually goes? Though? Man, I hope he goes in the first five rounds because uh, I can't see more <laughs> out. But <laughs> um, <laughs> I I think he goes 
man, I, I'm looking at the group of players. Could you, someone really take him in the fourth round? I I would say fifth. I would say middle of the fifth he goes. Definitely, he definitely gets drafted too. But oh yeah, well yeah. I mean, just because it's a it's a sharper room too, so everyone knows he could, you know, hit two ten and not play anymore. Um, but yeah, I, you couldn't pay me to draft him in the first seven rounds. <laughs> oh man, well he will uh, he will assuredly go. I think. I mean, look, I. I know it's a sharp room. I think he's going to go in the first four rounds because I think um, really, I just think, I I don't know. I think um, he's done it now two years in a row. I'm with you for, for the record. Like I have, I have Carol ranked ahead of Adolis. I have Andres Jimenez ranked ahead of Adolis. Uh, You know, so I, I don't think I'm going to, be the one that takes him, but I just think that the two-year track record, the lineup placement, um, I think I think he goes in the first four rounds, even even in the sharper room. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what about uh, what about? Actually, you know what? Um, I am going to uh, let's let's head to a, a quick break. Um, uh, we'll well actually hold on. I, how about catchers um, before I head to a quick break? Um, to me, it's it's Adley, um, it's Adley and uh, and Will Smith. Like I think to me, those are the, the clear top two catchers for twenty twenty three. Are you in agreement there? No, I actually have JT Romuto, but both of them. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I love Will Smith and Adley, but the, the steals that Romuto gives you, and he's been unbelievable since the start of June. Um, I have Romuto really highly ranked. Again, I might be too high on him, but, man, the 2020 upside of catcher is just crazy. How closely do you have Dalton Varsha ranked him? Uh, so I have Real Muto first, then Will Smith, then Rutschman, then Kirk, then Varsha. Okay. So not not really too close. I'm kind of scared yeah. of Varsha losing some PT because of Carroll. Because I know the Diamondbacks are going to want to look at Thomas. They're going to want to look at Carroll. Um, and Varsha is probably going to sit against all lefties next year. So I kind of bumped his playing time down a bit. I mean, he's been worth uh, he's been worth two and a half wins in 107 games. Uh, really good defensive outfielder. People, I think, have just this idea that he's a, a bad defensive outfielder because he's a converted catcher. But um, let's see, like who? So you think he's going to sit against lefties? Um, has he been that bad against lefties? I'm not sure how so he's bad he's been. Two twelve. Oh, he has he has been pretty bad. Um, I mean, it's just yeah, not something I've even looked at because it's not like you're sitting Dalton Marshall. So I I just haven't uh, yeah, really cared yeah. about those platoon splits. But um, yeah, no, he, he has been bad against lefties. Um, 
I mean, then batting average probably goes up, but counting stats go down. Um, yeah, that's I probably had no, Real Muto and Varsha ranked too closely together, I guess. Um, I just, you know, you got one guy that I think is sort of a, a younger, um, you know, you got a, what, like an eight-year age gap there between those two. Um, but I totally get it with, with Real Muto. Um, probably too low on him and maybe too high on Varsha. Um, that's why we got to talk this through. All right. Uh, let, well, it, let's... I mean, I mean, it's the middle of August. It's not like you should have perfect draft prep by now. Oh no, I'm I'm striving for perfection tonight. My, um, I'm let's head to a quick break. <laughs> oh man, I've spent way too much time on prepping for this stupid draft. Um, all right, uh, let's let's head to a quick uh, break, and uh, we'll be back to to wrap things up. The weather is heating up, and so are the promotions at Caesar Sportsbook. Today, anyone who is at least 21 years old and in a licensed Caesar Sportsbook state can create a new account and redeem the Caesar Sportsbook promo code ROTO15. That's R-O-T-O-1-5. The promo code gives new users a risk-free bet up to 1500 bucks. Visit caesars.com sportsbook or download the Caesar Sportsbook app today. And don't forget to use the promo code ROTO15 when signing up. All right. So, I mean, what did you, like, how, because I've, I, like I said, I've, I've spent probably too much time uh, prepping for uh, this draft. Uh, really appreciate Rob DiPietro inviting me. Um, but what what was sort of, how much prep have you put in? Like, what was sort of your your process for, for doing this? So, this is the first year, like, 2022. It's the first year I actually made, like, a sheet. I did like I weighted average heavier, I weighted steals heavier, and I sort of just like um, made like not my own projection system, but something similar to that. Um, so basically, I already had a floor of what I wanted to do, and I kind of just like edited some. So sorry, my dog's going nuts. No, dude, if you wanna if you wanna um, step away for a second, it's fine. No, no, um, yeah, so basically I had a floor already for I I just had to edit like um edit some players here and there. Um like for example, uh Austin Riley. I had his counting stats too low and I had his batting average too low, so I just adjusted that a little bit. Um what are some players? I moved mean, Boba shit I had way too high. I had a projected for way too many counting stats. Uh, too many steals, too many homers. So he's a guy I edited a lot. Um, but it was just little stuff like that. And I really just went through. I made sure I had 50 hitters, uh, 30 starters, and then the list of closers. So I might have to do a few more hitters between now and the start of uh, the pod. But I, I have like a rough outline of what I what I want to do. Yeah, I did. A, I kind of deconstructed because I had just spent – like 10 days working on my dynasty rankings update. And so I kind of done all that prep. And so I just sort of deconstructed those and started, you know, obviously getting rid of the non Corbin Carroll prospects and, you know, all the, all the natural adjustments you'd make for, for dynasty versus redraft. But um, yeah, definitely a lot. (laughs) 
a lot of time and I'm going to be, I'm going to be doing an article on this for tomorrow where I'll actually publish my uh, rankings, which will surely look foolish uh, by the time, uh, you know, a month from now, let alone by the time uh, spring training rolls around. But, and then I'll just kind of make a note of which players I uh, was way higher on than the draft room and, and way lower on than the draft room. Um, Hmm. So how many are you, you, you what, what were you going to say? No, the, um, the two biggest things, and again, this might be going too in-depth this early, but the two biggest things I, I wanted to do were like guys with really high averages. Um, I wanted to regress them, like really high bat, really high bad bips, like Goldschmidt, uh, Andres Jimenez, stuff like that. And then I project stolen base attempts, not steals. Because stolen base, stolen bases are like so um, noisy year to year. Like how often you get caught. I think Bo Bichette mm-hmm. was twenty five for twenty six last year, and this year he's like seven for fourteen or something ridiculous. So I try to project stolen base attempts, not steals. So that sort of like takes some of the re- regression into account. Um, but yeah, I was just gonna say that's one like big thing I, I do for every year. Do you have a like a target for like so I kind of loosely like to leave this draft with two starters and a closer. Um, do you have any sort of goals like that? Or are you just gonna I'm, I'm probably right there with you. Probably three or four bats, two or three starters and a closer. But again, it all depends on if pushing gets if pitching gets pushed up. I might just clean up on bats. Um, I, I really don't know how the draft is going to go, but I would imagine, like I said, I think it's going to be like a main event where pitching just goes crazy. Um, so I, I, w- I would say four bats, two starters, and a closer, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm – gosh, it sounds like we're very aligned on this because I definitely have – a lot of starting pitchers ranked you know, fairly, you know, hot, like in my top 50 or so. But I think just where we're picking 11th overall for me, 12th overall for you, I have a feeling that best player available for me in the, well, I know I'm taking a hitter first and I think best player available for me in the second round will be a, probably a couple hitters, you know, unless I can't imagine like Sandy being there for me at pick 20. Um, so yeah, I assume I'll go hitter hitter to start, but then by the time it comes back around, you know, we're, we talked about third round pitchers. Hopefully, get one of those guys, but you just never know. Like I'm, I'm not gonna really reach. I don't think uh, in an August draft to get a starting pitcher who I, you know, have ranked significantly lower just to mit just to not uh, get shut out on that run. So yeah, I, I would say it's I'd say it's more likely I have one starting pitcher through seven rounds than three starting pitchers through seven rounds. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely right there with you. Like I'm totally fine just cleaning up on bats if pitching goes crazy because, and we don't really know. This is the other thing: drafting this crazy. We don't know if the ball is going to go back to normal or if it's going to stay like this because. 
I found so much late pitching this year, but that could just be a result of uh, the ball. And like you said, you're so low in home runs this year in a lot of your leagues. It's the same thing for me because a lot of the veteran bats I rely on stink. So <laughs> it's just very, very so much year to year. It's crazy. Yeah, we have to deal with this. Yeah, you know, I, I overestimated my ability to get like 30 homer bats in the mid rounds. Um, like I, I had, you know, a lot of like Marcelo Zuna, Jorge Soler, um, trying to think who else, like just kind of, you know, that type of guy, like the guy that you're sort of hoping hits like 245 with 30 bombs. Uh, you know, I just haven't, haven't hit on as many of those guys as I needed to. Uh, and then, like I said, overdrafting, like I'm in some, in some leagues, I'm just winning steals or saves by too much. Um, so I just, I over allocated the resources to the scarce categories and was left like my starting pitching is totally fine, but it's just, it's those, those uh, everyday hitters that are going to get you 25 plus homers that I just, you know, I, I needed to leave the draft with, you know, one or two more of those guys than I did. So maybe I over course correct and uh, try to do that. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, it seems like the type of players when we resume in November, the type of players who are going to improve their stock the most between now and then, to me, it seems like it's more likely to be pitchers. So like, you know, say like, do you think, like, do you think Luis Severino or Dustin May or like Tyler Glass now or, you know, Nick Lodolo, like these types of guys? Like, I don't think those guys are necessarily getting drafted tonight, do you? No, I don't think so. But one of the names you said, Dustin May, I think is going to be a huge, huge uh, like discrepancy in terms of where he gets drafted now and where he gets drafted in March. Right. So he could fly up boards um, if he dominates this these last uh, this last month, um, in terms of like uh, November DCs compared to when we draft now. I could see him not got not getting drafted tonight, but then once DCs start in November, he could be like a fifth sixth round pick just because he's his ceiling is that good. Right. I mean, like Ron C. Contreras, Mike Soroka, like there's. There's going to be guys that between now and the end of the like Reed Detmer's stacks like another month of what he's been doing lately on on top of this like um yeah Aaron Ashby could kind of get into a groove like there's there's definitely going to be some some pitchers who end the year on a high note um so yeah I'm I'm okay leaving the draft with a little light on starting pitching. Some buy low guys as well too. I'm honestly still interested in Jose Barrios and Trevor Rogers, and like I'd be happy if those if I could get those guys as like my SP three and four, I'd be thrilled. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, I hadn't really thought about Barrios, but like I'm definitely gonna. I hope that Trevor Rogers <laughs> has burned enough people that his ADP is like outside the top two hundred or something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I have no issues going back to that. Well, um, what a, is there? Are there any other players where you're just like really interested to kind of see? Um, 
where they go tonight. Like, I, I feel like there's, you know, like Wander Franco is a, is a really interesting name. You mentioned him earlier. Um, yeah, like Felix Batista, like to me, he's a top seven round guy. I'm interested to sort of see where yeah, he goes just, in the top seven joking. rounds. I was joking before, but I did like a quick closer sheet and I basically used uh, Eno Saris's stuff and command numbers and then threw K minus BB in there. And Felix Bautista ranks even higher than Classe in that regard. So I, uh, Bautista has ridiculous stuff. I, I could yeah. see him being like next year's Classe. So I, I'd be surprised if he wasn't taken in the first seven rounds for sure. And the Orioles are going to win. I don't know. They might win as many games as the Guardians next year. Um, so, if uh, if they're pretty Peralta's actually. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, no. I that that was another guy I wanted to bring up because uh, he's been he hasn't been the guy people thought they were getting over these last you know what it was it been three starts since he came off the aisle. Um, so do people think they're buying? pre 20 like the same guy they were buying in the third round or early fourth round heading into this year are they are they scared off by that That, that's that'll be interesting yeah he got hurt at the end of 21 uh, with a shoulder injury and now he's missed a chunk of time this year with an arm injury so i could see like someone who loves him taking in the fourth round that i could also see him like dropping yeah, I don't expect to get him uh, based on where I have him ranked. Um, what about uh, what about someone like Carlos Rodon? Like, how much buy-in do you think there is on Carlos Rodon, given how scared off people were by him from a health standpoint coming into the year? Yeah, he's almost like the Adelaide Garcia of pitchers, but actually good. Um because everyone thinks he's going to get hurt every year. And he, two years in a row, he's stayed healthy for the majority of the year. Uh, I'm not going to be on at all just because that injury history is ridiculous. But I wouldn't be surprised if he was a third rounder. Maybe he goes I, after like Wheeler around Woodruff, that area. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right. I think you're right on the nose. I think he does go third round. Um yeah, I mean, it's just kind of how long can he stay healthy? Uh, he'll just keep proving me wrong as long as he stays healthy. Uh, what about Spencer Strider? It is yeah. What about oh. Spencer Strider? Um, can I say no comment? <laughs> no, he, <he's>, I, <laughs> I, I think he's going to be my most uh, rostered player in 2023. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all I'm I'm all in. Where do you think his ADP uh, is come March? Assuming he let's just say he stays healthy, he you know, let he's he's kind of as good as people would think he would be in the postseason, stays healthy. Where do you think he's getting drafted in like the main events in March? Strider. So I was talking to my buddies about this. I, I think it's gonna be a little similar at Dylan Cease. Like in early DCs, mm-hmm. Cease was going what in the fifth, sixth. Mm-hmm. So maybe he go, maybe Strider goes six, seven. Because I don't think he's had the year. Uh, I don't, I don't know if people like him as much as they like Cease last year. So maybe uh, around main events, I'd say 
four. I could see him going in the fourth round in main events, honestly. Um, I, the stuff is electric. He's put up strikeout numbers that are almost as good as anyone's this year. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think once I mean, enough people see that, like people that don't have have him on their teams and don't realize how good he's been, once you know everyone does their research, I think he's going to be a fourth rounder. So here's something I was talking with uh, Dylan White, who uh, I think is still maybe winning uh, TGFBI. I'm not sure on that, but um, I was talking with him about Strider and just uh, the the recent track record of these dominant two-pitch guys uh, where, like, Glass now, Denilson, Lamette, they both uh, were basically the, the same as Strider, you know, like dominant uh, fastball, breaking ball, um, and then injuries have kind of been an issue. Uh, I think there was, like, another guy that I brought up too, but um, does that give you any pause at all that just, like – has there been a guy? Is, is there anyone I'm uh, forgetting about that is really heavily relied? I guess cease to like I don't know, but Strider's truly a two pitch guy. Um, does that kind yeah, of lack yeah. of a track record of a guy like that hold like holding up and really kind of becoming that workhorse? Does that does that scare you off at all? I it doesn't. Uh, I was super in on Tyler Glass now because again, cause everyone was, um, you know dinging him because he only had two pitches, but, but when you're two I, pitches I was in on glass good, too. I, I think when your two pitches are that good, I don't really know if it matters. And another thing, I really like drafting guys that have good fastballs because, you know, it's the pitcher you're going to throw the most. Um, it's the only way you can go deep into games. It's, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I really like Strider because he has such a dominant fastball. And – Another reason why I like him, which isn't related to the two pitches, is that uh, I've seen some interviews on him, and he's, like, super into, you know, just constantly getting better and uh, mm-hmm. working on, you know, I think he's going to work enough on a changeup to where he develops a third pitch. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, there's nothing I don't like about the guy. How for real is Tony Gantzel? Is he an SP one? Um, Is he an SP one for twenty twenty three? He could be, but not for me. Um, I'm not going to be in. Man, so now now that we talk it out, I can't see him going above Rodon and Wheeler, and Woodruff and Sandy and Verlander and Cease. Like I don't, I can't see him going above those guys. So maybe he settles in the fourth. I would guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Like everyone you listed, I think he goes after those guys. Um, yeah. I mean, there's <laughs> gosh, do you feel like when you're, when you're on the clock tonight on the zoom, um, like how quickly do you think you're going to make your, your picks? Like, is it going to be, Oh man, there's so many good options available here. Uh, like, what am I going to do? Like, you really take like a minute or two to think about it or when it gets to you, are you just going to be like, boom, taking Spencer Strider, put it on the board. <laughs> no, I'm going I'm to be looking over like 10 players at once. Every single pick. it's going to be, <laughs> it is going to be crazy. Yeah. Cause I mean, you know, I don't you think know, the second you make a pick, 
you're going to hate the pick because the guy you wanted goes, you're going to take the other guy I wanted right after me. Uh, it's going to be. Gonna and I don't think there's going to be a timer. I don't think like just judging by this group chat we're in, it doesn't seem like, uh, like anyone's, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if anyone's going to be like, dude, we got to wrap this up. Let's speed up the picks. Like I, I don't really think it's going to be that type of room. So I, yeah, I don't know. Um, no, definitely not. If anything, it'll be content. Like the, the pod will be very entertaining at the very least. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to have a couple beers going. It's going to be a, it's going to be a late night thing. So um, that, that pod should be should be entertaining for for the folks. Um, oh, I a uh, couple more players I want to ask you about. Um, actually, I'll just lump all three of them together. I have them ranked fairly close. Uh, Jeremy Pena, Trevor Story, Tim Anderson. Um, are you? How worried are you about Story? And then like Anderson's just had such a weird year. Uh, and then like how buying in i guess are you on on like pena so i actually really like pena um unfortunately i got him in a bunch of dynasty leagues after he's like he crushed the beginning and then i traded for him and then he's gone kind of into this <laughs> little, little slump yep <laughs> of course but uh, the underlying skills are great like he hits the ball hard he makes contact mm-hmm. with the zone and he's an awesome defender so he's gonna play every day mm-hmm. um but story Story's weird to me because he had that crazy hot stretch, but before and after the hot stretch, he did absolutely nothing. Um, mm-hmm. and his strikeout rate's gone way up. And then Tim Anderson's a guy that I was totally off of this year because he's injury prone, but like no one talks about him being injury prone. Now it's kind of weird. And like it wasn't baked into his draft cost for some reason. Um, I didn't think he, I didn't realize he was injury prone until about two months ago um <laughs> like i i i had a i had a ton of tim anderson um thankfully i mean the cost was so high that i don't have as much of them as i as i would have liked leaving draft season but uh yeah you're totally right i mean he no one talked about that with him uh and he's played his max games played since 2019 in the season's 123 um and I think he like he was running more than people expected this year. The batting average was right where it was supposed to be. Uh, the power completely dried up um, after like the first month of the year. But if he's going to be like a ten homer guy who doesn't play more than one hundred and twenty games, yeah, it's 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 not great. Yeah, I mean, of course, he's a great fantasy player. Um, and when he's healthy, he's really good. You know, he scores a bunch of runs, steals base, hits for a really high average. But um, I wasn't digging the profile with no walks, hits the ball on the ground a ton, and he's, you know, like I said, injury prone. But um, I think I would take – oh, man, I don't know who I would take out of the three because I want to believe in Pena because I also just love getting players on the Astros just because they're such a good organization. And I, I feel like he'll develop – into a really good player. Um, I think it'd be between Pena and Story for me. But I, I think it's really close. Yeah, I mean, Story, gosh, he's, he's the, the range of outcomes for him next year is, it just seems to be massive because he, 
you know, what if he's hitting top four in that lineup all year and just kind of keeps the strikeouts in check? Uh, and I think a lot of people are just going to be kind of out on him. Um, so he could be a value. Uh, For sure. The, I This doesn't like, I know this is like shaky analysis uh, at best, but I kind of, I'm, like Tim Anderson, um, I don't know if you know this, but he like, he stepped out on his wife and, and knocked another woman up and like was posing with her on like Instagram videos and stuff. And just kind of a, you know, uh, decision-making kind of came into question there for me a little bit. Um, and, and I'm a little lower on him because of that, which I know doesn't, doesn't, doesn't add up. It's not very, uh, it's not going to get me, um, you know, any kind of saber writer award or anything like that, but, um, kind of, he's a little down in my book for that. Um, I think being down on all white socks might be a good plan <laughs> for next year. <laughs> like, Every single player, Dylan Cease is Dylan Cease is like the only safe guy on the White Sox. I, I don't know what's well, going what if, on there, but what if they replace Tony Larusa in the off season? Did do you just bump all of the White Sox up a little bit? Maybe I guess right. <laughs> I mean, they still have five DHs on their team, but you got to bump them up a little bit. Well, so you got Tim Anderson. And uh, then Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert are all like injury risks, and they're and they're all amazing when they're going at their best, and they're just guys that you love. Like I, at least I like I like watching all three of those guys play. They have, you know, in theory, they're very very fantasy friendly games. Uh, like Eloy has been like the best hitter on the planet for like the last two weeks or something, um, and he hasn't gotten hurt but he might get hurt within the next week or so. Um, and Grandal, Grandal is actually, I've got Grandal on like two teams. I think he's, he's done the most damage of any player uh, in the majors to my, my fantasy teams this year, because he's just been. Him and Joey Votto. Him and Joey Votto are just murdering me. Uh, Absolutely murdering yeah. Um, and then, oh, I just, before I let you go, uh, like Mike Trout, Byron Buxton, Jazz Chisholm. I actually have all three of them ranked fairly close. Uh, they're kind of in this grouping of like injury injury prone guys that I'm kind of wary of. Uh, who would you pick out of out of Buxton, Jazz, and, and Trout? I'd probably go Jazz. Um, I, I know he's been a little injury prone his first two years, but. I really believe in the skills, and he's young enough. Trout scares the crap out of me with that back issue. And Buxton, Buxton's just a nightmare. Like, he finally stayed healthy, stayed healthy, and he's missed, like, 40 games this year. Well, like he, sits it, like yeah, every, it, he sits, like, every third game. He is a nightmare. It's, it's, it's so frustrating because, like – you know, I, I don't necessarily disagree with the way they've handled him. Like they're just, they basically just been like, look, you're always hurt. We're just going to play you. <laughs> We're just going to play you through your nagging injuries and sit you every third day. Um, but it's annoying. Um, and you just wonder, hurt, is the second week of the season? He's basically been playing hurt for 
like three months. Um, and you just kind of wonder, is, is that, is that dream season ever going to come for him where he just isn't that hurt for a full six months? Like, I just don't know if it is. Um, He's getting up in there in age right. too, right? He's almost 30. Yeah. Um, I think he's 28, 29 years old. He might almost be 30. 28 years old, yeah. And I mean, they're, I, yeah. you know, obviously the, the 230 average is like totally fluky. Like that's not what you'd expect him to hit. But, you know, is, is he going to be healthy enough to hit what you'd expect him to hit? Um, yeah. Anything, anything you want to hit on before we get out of here? No, I think we hit on everything. Um, and it's going to be a going to be a crazy night. Can't wait. Absolutely. Well, uh, Ryan, actually, uh, do you want to tell people about that uh, in the cut podcast and where they can find that? Yeah, so me and my buddy John Fish are starting a baseball and basketball pod called In the Cut, and it's going to be strictly NFC. So we're only going to be talking about like uh, you know players' values relative to NFC, because in, in basketball, um, no one gains eligibility throughout the season. Uh, and, like, it's really weird with, like, eligibility and stuff with basketball. So um, I'm going to be doing that. Uh, or actually, first episode is going to drop Monday morning. We're going to talk about the draft uh, tonight. So that'll be um, our first episode. Awesome, man. Well, I will absolutely check that out. And then uh, where can people find you on Twitter? On Twitter, I am V-E-N underscore Armborn. Um, yeah. Awesome. Me on Twitter, I don't – yeah. Thanks Ryan, lot, really appreciate you. Uh, yeah, really appreciate you joining me, and I will uh, – I'll see you in the draft room tonight. Yeah, I'll see you tonight, man. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.